Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's your girl, Sonya McQueen, with your mind, your body, your choice. Hey, everybody. It is a beautiful day today, and um, it's actually Tuesday. And lately, I've been posting my podcast on Thursday because either A, I don't get a chance to do it on Wednesday, or B, when I do it on Wednesday, I suddenly get hit with the entire image that I'm talking about the wrong thing and I need to reroute. And so I'll reroute and then I'll post it the next day. But today I'm anxious. Um, I was out for my walk and for those of you who are not tired of hearing me say it, I am preparing for a marathon. It's a half marathon, but it's what I'm doing nonetheless. And I think I'm really, really proud of this because there are so many things that I've wanted to do in my short 52 years that I might start and I don't finish. Or I started and it's going well, but I stopped doing it because I'm not liking um, the, the outcome of it and I don't mean in a bad way I mean people leaning on me more contacting me more and and I'm just not ready for that so I stop Um, this is one of the few things that I decided I was going to do that I'm seeing through and no matter what I've been really sick the last week my son came to visit me for Texas and I felt horrible because my allergies and for you guys who have allergies seriously People have to take allergies very seriously. I've been in the hospital because my allergies are so bad, but they were so bad while he was here. I didn't really get to do anything with him. We didn't go to the beach. We didn't go bowling. We didn't do anything. But he's 29. He still had a good time because he's extremely handsome. And no matter where he went, these females were thirsty and tossing numbers at him and his crazy butt running around doing six-minute miles with no shirt on. So it was a whole scene, and he still enjoyed himself. And I still cook for him, which is most important to all my kids. But I digress. My point is, I'm doing something for once. All my life, I have hated failure. And I've hated the thought of failure. And I've even let people when I'm doing something very well, persuade me without persuading me to stop doing something I'm doing very well. Um, You know, when I see a lack of support from some people, I never equated that with jealousy or people really not being my friend, being there for me. I equated it with, oh, they're, they're not cheering me on because maybe I'm doing something wrong or maybe this or maybe that. And I've taken other people's thoughts to my heart too much when they are not supporting me, they are not putting coins in my pocket, they are not seeing how they can help me, but their words are all about what they would do. And back in the day, I I took that to heart too much, and I'll be damned if I let another day go where somebody who is really not supporting me, you can tell me all day, yay, good job, sis, but... I see your real actions. I see that you don't support when I I post something about something I have going on. My new book's out 
and you don't want to buy it, but you want one, but you don't want to buy it. Or, you know, I'm traveling somewhere to do something and I'm just looking for some encouragement and all of a sudden you, oh, I forgot or something. Now, I, I feel you. You don't have to be there for me. And that's a true story. I am the type of person, if I'm going to be there for you, I'm going to be there for you, regardless of whether you support me or not, because I try to do things from the bottom of my heart. No intentions from me for you to reciprocate. Um, I'm going to give you two examples and then I'm going to get to my subject. One is this run I'm doing. I decided to run for St. Jude. Why St. Jude? Because St. Jude honestly does everything they can to save children's lives. Everything they do without touching the parent's pocket. Without touching the parent's pocket. These parents get to stay somewhere for free. They eat for free. Their kids get medical help for free. They stay in the hospitals for free. They look out for the parents. They look out for the children. And you don't have to, well, the parents don't have to spend a nickel because of donors. How could I not pick that to give money to? Now, I used to give money to cancer as a whole, like the Susan, is it Susan something, Kaufman or something. But then I looked into where that money was going. And they have all these employees and these beautiful buildings and these coffee makers and these uh, luxurious giveaways and all that. And a lot of our money goes to that. They're both for cancer, but St. Jude's charges the people nothing. Anyhow, I asked for $5 donations from all my friends. $5. I picked 20 three friends I thought would give $5. I did not receive one $5 donation, not one. And it is okay because there are some people on that list who I support every single thing they do and I'm going to continue to support every single thing I, they do because number one, I don't even know that they have $5. It is a very hard time right now. Gas is through the roof. Groceries are freaking ridiculous. Just to feed a family of two, three, four is hard these days. COVID is still out there. A lot of people still are not working, still looking for jobs. Graduation time is now. People have kids in college, going back to college, some graduating high school, eighth grade, fifth grade. I understand. I understand. I, it's no pressure for me. That's the first thing. Second thing is when my books came out, I noticed I can post. I, I honestly don't have that many friends on Facebook. Honestly, I probably have 500. Um, and I know 75% of them. But when my, let's just pretend I post a picture and I got 100 likes, which is amazing for me. I get 100 likes. I can say, hey, my new book is out, blah, blah, blah. I promise you I'm going to get six likes and 12 comments. Now some people are going to sneak look at it, um, especially when my YouTube videos came out and I noticed all these views and all these comments and everything, but yet and still you didn't buy the book, but it's okay because every single person I know who wrote a book, I bought that sucker. Whether I read it or not doesn't even matter, I bought it. And I have a garage full of books that I bought from people who wrote a book within the last 
eight years that I supported. Now, once again, the next eight, 10, 12, 20 people who write a book that I know, I'm gonna support it. I don't even care what kind of book it is. I bought porn, soft porn, scientific book, sci-fi books, nursing books, uh, how-to books, autobiographies, biographies, I don't care, I'ma buy them. More than anything, people write biblical books. Um, they they wanna motivate people and I love those kind of books. And I probably, if you wrote one, I read it. All right, so that takes me all to my topic today and it's twofold. While I was walking, I was thinking about a friend I had that I loved like my own family. And when I was 17, me, her, and her husband lived together. I've told you about him before. His name's Russell, her name was Joanne. And this was my family. They were my family. Right, wrong, or indifferent. I knew everything he did wrong. I definitely knew everything she did wrong. They both knew anything I did wrong. And we loved each other. Agape love, once again. We loved each other. And her, Russell got stationed, I believe, in Germany. And Joanne moved back to North Carolina from Colorado. And we missed each other so much that she kept begging me to move to North Carolina. And I was finally going to move. So the day before I was supposed to leave, um, my friend at the time, a good friend of mine, threw me a little party and there were several people there and we were having a good time. And my friend, she had answered the phone and she comes to me and she wanted to talk to me in private. And so I go to see what she wants and I don't know how my friend Russell found her, um, how he got in touch with her, I'm clueless and I don't even remember if it was Russell. But somebody called to let her know, to let me know that my friend Joanne had been murdered. I was 23 years old. My oldest daughter, Ty, who's 31 now, was two at the time. And when I tell you guys I lost it, I lost it. They couldn't calm me down. I locked myself in the bathroom. I totally, I think I slept in the bathroom. I could not stop crying. I cried myself to sleep, woke up, kept crying. That is probably the most pain I've ever been in in my life. To lose somebody I loved that much. And believe me, y'all, she was no saint. She was far from it, but she was my friend. And nobody could tell me nothing about her. Not that I didn't already know everything about her, but nobody. That was my girl. Nobody could tell me anything. And I was broken. I was so broken and of course then I didn't move and um, I had already let my job go, my little job so I had to find something else and I was still a reservist and but here we are what uh, 29 years later and I still feel her presence I still talk to her I still think of when I think of a friend she's the one I think of She's the one I think of. When I think of somebody who was down for me like four flat tires and would kill somebody, stab somebody, have my back fight in a second over me, it's her. It's her. So, along the years, 
you know, um, well, let me go back to my younger years. I had friends, but no long-term friendships. The one I had, as I said, um, when I ended up giving up my son for adoption, um, that was the end of that friendship. You know, that was it. So other than that, I have acquaintances. I have acquaintances. I've had people in my life who called themselves my friends, but it proved not to be true. So to date, all of my friends are older than me. I mean, 60 plus, 58 plus, all of them. And I don't live near any of them. They all live in other states. Matter of fact, they all live in Missouri. All of them live in Missouri. So I'm here, and even when I go to Missouri, I don't get to see them. And I'm setting up the stage, you guys, to tell you about when you're a child and you have parents that don't teach you about life and heartache and heartbreak and lost friendships and real friendships and you figure it out for yourself, you're either gonna go one of two ways and this is my opinion. You're either going to be desperate for friends to the point you'll do anything uh, to get that communication and have that camaraderie and somebody being there for you or you're gonna be like me. No nonsense, don't have time for silliness. You cross me once, shame on you, I'm done. I'm done. There's no apologizing, there's no fixing it. No, we can't be friends. Why are you calling me? Now I gotta block you. I am not a forgiving person. Yes, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And I, I sometimes think when I think of Joanne that God is trying to teach me that um, I can't put all my eggs in one basket. I can't just love one person and throw everybody else to the side. And I mean outside of my kids and my immediate family. But I can't do that because he's given me all these beautiful references that I look, out, I look at out the side of my eye because I'm not trusting. I'm not trusting. I didn't grow up with the kind of love that made me trust people. I've always wondered what people's motives were when they liked me. What are your real motives? Why do you really like me? What, what is it about me? Even guys, a guy like me too much, I need to know why. Why do you like me? Okay, why are you complimenting me so much? Yeah, you gotta go. When somebody used to tell me they loved me, that was their demise. Friend or boyfriend. I mean, a good friend, whether it be male or female, or somebody I was dating. You make the mistake of saying, I love you. I don't know what it is about me or what it was about me, but within a month, we would not be together anymore in any capacity. I never really felt like people really loved me, and I didn't understand why. I didn't understand what it, to be honest, I didn't even understand I was like that. I just always found fault in that person. It wasn't until I was in my late 30s that I realized I was finding that fault sometime after they told me they loved me or that they wanted to spend more time with me and my family and, 
and doing nice things for me. I, I didn't accept it. I didn't accept it and I didn't know why. And so I reached back telling you guys, this is my therapy right here, talking to you. I had to reach back and I had to ask God, why am I like this? Why am I like this? And he let me know, you've never known love. Growing up, you didn't get love. Yeah, your mom loved you. Yeah, your dad loved you. Yeah, your brothers loved you. But nobody ever really showed you what love was. So now when people try to show you, you reject it. That's not what love is to you. Telling you, I love you. <laughs> Doing nice things for you. No, love is, hey, I'm going to leave you to be on your own and you do your thing. And just make sure nobody kidnaps, rapes, or steals you. That's it. That was how I define love. My mom works and she loves me. So she puts clothes on my bed, brand new clothes. Maybe every three to six months, I get a whole new wardrobe because she loves me. My dad loved me, so he would make sure I had money all the time when I lived with him. I had an allowance of $50 a week at age 13 when I would visit him for the summer. And then when I came to live with him, I got an allowance of $100 a week at age 15 and 16 and, and whatever clothes I wanted. But he was never there. Yeah. My mom worked, as I've told you guys a million other times, but she wasn't present. She wasn't anywhere else. She was in the house, but she wasn't present. You know, I've told you I, I, I was a track star in two states and she only seen me run once. I, I sang in the elite choir. She never heard me sing, play piano and clarinet. She never came to a concert. She was home, asleep. My dad was either in the field or with a girlfriend. So when people told me that they loved me, and then they tried to show it. It was foreign to me and I rejected it. You know, I was listening to this song called Repay You by PJ Morton and some of the words are, I have so many friends that are no longer here. Why he took them away and left me, I'm not clear. I guess I have more to do and he has more assignments for me to complete. I still can't believe that you want to use me. Those words strike me hard because I do have other friends that are no longer here. Another one passed away, but for the most part, I wrote them all off. Now, I'm not always wrong in writing people off, but for the most part, I have been. As a matter of fact, there was somebody who was so kind to me and loved me so much, and I went through something when um, I'll tell you guys the story about my son one day, today's just not the day, but I went through a serious bout of depression, like almost suicidal depression, and this friend really, really, really tried to be there for me, and I was mean and nasty because I just wanted to be left alone. I'm not one of those people when I'm going through something that has to tell everybody what I'm going through. You'll never catch me in the hospital on Facebook telling everybody I'm in the hospital. I don't need that kind of attention. You'll never catch me at, uh, uh, you know, 
I've done cut half my arm off and I'm taking pictures of it to post on Facebook to tell everybody I post, you know, and then something else you'll never catch. Me and my husband have honestly never been in an argument, but if we were, I'd never post it. You know, I'd never post anything negative about my kids or my family. I, I'm just not that type of person. Social media is not that for me. Social media is everything for other people. So, I actually lost a couple of good friends because of my own actions. But if you listen to my podcast last week, uh, Funeral for the Living, I've killed a couple of them off. They're, they're dead. Walking around somewhere, but they're dead to me. And they deserved what they got because they were just nasty individuals that really did not care for me the way I care for them. And I understood that I deserve better than that. And the people that I wronged, believe it or not, I went back and apologized. The friendships will never be the same. You know, we're cordial. Um, as a matter of fact, one of them actually is texting me all the time now and sending pictures and asking questions and telling me how much she loves me, which warms my heart because I know the way I discarded her was totally wrong and um, she forgave me. The other one said she forgave me, but it, it was never anything more than just following each other on Facebook. And I understand 100% because sometimes you're just not right, people. You're not right. And you have to be able to apologize. People say it takes a big person to apologize. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. It just takes somebody who is genuinely sorry for what they've said and done to apologize. And when I'm genuinely sorry, I apologize. And I think I told you guys one or two podcasts ago, people have apologized to me and I've told them I don't accept. And the reason I don't accept is because it's definitely not from the heart. They're being forced to say it or they've been pushed in a corner. When I say force, that means a family member or a boss is telling them, if you don't do this, you know, we're going to have a problem. So then they apologize, but they don't mean it. They say it through clenched teeth, rolling their eyes, looking at the ceiling while they're saying it. Yeah, I don't accept that. Have a good day. So I only apologize when I really, really, really mean it. And um, I know my, my upbringing it makes me very proud and there's no room for pride you know this day and age there's no room for you wanting to be the right person all the time what does right or wrong matter when you're just trying to come to a meeting of the minds if you always have to be right you're not doing anybody any justice especially your damn self you're not doing yourself any justice because I promise you one thing you're not always right (laughs) I've never met a person in my life that's always right. Now you can think you're right, but you gotta be open-minded to when you're wrong. And a big part of that is because when I was growing up, I missed so much love and everything that when people are in my corner, you know, and we're talking about something and I'm, I'm giving them my two cents, if it's requested, I always want that two cent to be perfect or right. I I generally only battle with wanting to be right all the time with my husband. 
and it's a terrible way to be. I know I'm like that. Um, I'm working on it, but it is what it is. And I think it's because my kids already love me unconditionally. My kids love me. My grandkids love me unconditionally. I think my, my dad could take me or leave me. My mom loves me, you know, but my husband was given to me. He was handpicked for me. And so when there's a disagreement, I don't want to be wrong. And it's not because I want him to be wrong. Um, and I just want to be right. It's just the fact that I don't want to be the cause of any disagreements, period, ever. And I meant it when I say we never argue, but we do have disagreements and we sit down and we talk about them. And I usually roll my eyes a lot during those disagreements because I've never had anybody sit down to talk to me about anything, you know, and that's the truth. I've dated, I've got three kids, and I've never sat down with anybody in my life to discuss what was going on in our lives. This is a first for me. And it's not easy, you guys. It's not easy when you come from a place where you didn't have that communication in your family. You know, I, I don't even remember, and I tell you how much I love my brother, and how he, especially Greg, how he practically raised me himself, but even him with me not wanting to disappoint him and doing nothing wrong because I never wanted him to know I did something wrong. He still never had a conversation with me. I've never had a birds and bees conversation, a this is what happens to your body conversation, stay away from boys because they're nasty as hell conversation. Um, this is how you cook. This is how you clean, do your hair. Um, if you ever want to wear makeup, this is how, and I don't mean for my brother, but in general, I've never had any of those conversations in my life. This is how you handle money. This is what you do when you're on your own. Save money, take care of yourself, don't depend on other people. None of those conversations have ever happened in my life. That's why I've always done it for my kids which leads me to another so song that came into my mind. It's called um, Change, Changing Your Story, and it's by uh, Ja'Kylin Carr. And in there somewhere she says, I know you've been defeated before, but that won't be your story no more. I know you've failed before, but that won't be your story no more. Generational curses? That won't be your story no more. Because I want you to know that God is changing your story. He's making the crooked places straight. God is changing your story. He's creating a way in your wilderness. God is changing your story. He's putting a river in your desert. God is changing your story. How can you not love that? Doing this podcast, God is changing my story. He is definitely making my crooked places straight. He's shining a light on everything I've been through, whether it was my fault or not. He's shining a bright light so I can see it and tell you guys about it. If you don't know, if you don't know, I always tell you this is not a religious podcast, but I also make it clear to you that I love the Lord. 
There's no qualms about it. I don't care who you love, what you do, I love him. And he shows me my rights and wrongs. And when I listen clearly, he's very clear. He speaks to me very clearly, like this podcast today. I want to tell you something. You don't have to put up with anything from anybody ever. I am a firm believer if you have an issue with somebody you love, you try your best to work it out. You try your best. If it's somebody you truly love, there's nothing wrong with going to counseling with a friend. You have a 20, 30-year-old friendship and all of a sudden it's going haywire. Why not? Why not try to save that friendship? You and your man or you and your woman, y'all going through something and you can't seem to work it out and you've tried this and that. I always say try God, but there's nothing wrong with therapy and counseling. There's nothing wrong with trying to figure out why you tick the way you do. I used to be so violent and never understood why. Now, I never started a fight, and that's true. Matter of fact, I believe I was picked on um, before, before I moved to Colorado. So that would probably be my eighth, ninth grade year. And I don't know who it was. One day it'll come to me. But I know a friend was telling me, yeah, she used to talk real crazy to you and you would totally ignore her. And I, I, I said this in a podcast before and I asked my mom about it and she was like, yeah. She told me who she thinks it was. But it was me listening to my mom and ignoring this person because they were going through family things. So I know I have the ability to reserve myself and um, to sit on my hands, uh, for lack of better terms. But when somebody touches me, as far as, you know, I, I told you I don't argue and I don't yell. So if somebody gets in my face and they're spitting and they're they're all yelling and calling me every name but Sonia and going off, I can remain so calm. But the second they touch me, I black out almost every time, whomever that person was, when they came to, they were in ICU. And I realized the last time I went to jail, I was 27. 28, excuse me. I realized all my frustration from my entire life would just come out at that moment. No matter who was yelling at me before, who was talking crazy to me before, who was spitting on my name and lying on me and all that, whoever that sad person was who put their hands on me, they learned a lesson because I would take out all that frustration on them. So now I've learned when something's bothering me to speak up. Now my husband says I'm brutally honest. I am honest. I try not to be brutal, but I'm very, very, very honest because I used to hold things back or I'd lie. So now I, all I know is honesty. The last couple of decades, all I know is honesty. That's it. You're going to get what you're asking for. Um, I promise you guys trouble won't last always. It won't last always. But you've got to take the time to recognize why you tick the way you tick. Why, why don't you love people? Why do you love people too much? Why are you so promiscuous? Why are you so mean? Why are you so combative? Why do you lie all the time? Why are you an attention seeker? 
Why do you dress so your butt's hanging out and your boobs are showing to everybody? Why do you feel like you can't leave the house without makeup on? Why do you have to have the $100,000 car that you can barely afford? Why do you have to live in that million dollar home that you definitely can't afford? Why do you keep doing things outside of your means, but you have to borrow money just to live outside of your means? There's a reason for all that, you guys. You have to look deep inside, and if you can't figure it out, you need to get help to figure it out. Me, as I sit here, things pour into me. They pour into me. That I get flashes. Even when I write my books, I used to get flashes of my past, and I'd write them down. I'd write them down because it, it just is so therapeutic for me. It's crazy how therapeutic all this is for me. And I, I just want you guys to know no matter what you've done, no matter where you are, if you're a liar, I used to be, I was a lying ass teenager, preteen. I don't know why. If you're a thief, I've stole before. I got caught. I got caught and went to jail. Very embarrassed and made the newspaper because it was a small town. I made the newspaper for stealing. You've done wrong to your kids. Told you I gave up a son for adoption. I'm not going to say I did wrong by him. I think I did right by him because I couldn't take care of him. But I've done other things wrong. Not, you know, purposely, but I've done other things wrong. There's nobody perfect. Not been forgiving when you should have been. Not admitting you're wrong when you were wrong. I've done it all. I've done it all. And nothing's wrong with saying, I want to stop this behavior. How do I move forward and leave this in my past? And if you remember a couple of podcasts ago, I said, once you make that change and you, you let those things go and you become that better person, don't you let nobody keep reminding you of where you used to be. Don't you let people hold you to your past. People will do it and they will think it's okay to do it. And a lot of people do it because that's all they have to stand on. That made them look like a better person in their mind. They don't want other people to shine their light on you and show you all that love. So they got to tell other people what you used to do. Those are some unhappy people. Let them be unhappy on their own, but don't you let them do it to you. You tell them, yeah, that's what I used to do, but look at me now. And I, I would appreciate it if you acknowledge where I am now. And if you don't want to, that's fine. That's fine, but I just want to let you know I'm not that person anymore. All praise. I'm not that person anymore. This is the new, improved 2022 version of me. And it's going to get better in 2023. Yeah, you don't have to ever let anybody pigeonhole you because what they want to do is hold you down. And eventually they're hoping that they'll break you and you'll either revert back to where you were or you won't be proud of where you are now. I've been there. I had a company called Led by Motivation and it was doing so well and I was getting requests and... I let naysayers, oh, you went to school for this? No, I didn't. Oh, how are you doing this? Is this allowed? Is this that and this and that? Oh, are you? Yeah, you're not, you shouldn't be doing this and that. And I let that get to me on top of 
everybody bringing their problems to me at the same time and I just stopped. You can best believe it's coming back, but I stopped. You know why? Because I let other people in my ear who to this day, I can't tell you anything positive they're doing in their life. And led by motivation was to help other people in their lives. Motivational Monthly, a free publication, was to help other people in their lives. So I actually let somebody's words stop me when they weren't helping me. I've said it once, I've said it twice, and I'm sure I'll say it again. You don't let people take your joy that didn't even bring it to you. My kids bring me a lot of joy. My husband brings me a lot of joy. If they say something that hurt my feelings or we're having a conversation I don't like it, I, I'll eat that and we'll talk. My kids are right sometimes and I'm wrong, believe it or not. And I tell them, you know what, you're right, you're right, and we keep it moving because they bring me joy. And so I'm, I might lose a little bit of that joy, but I get it back tenfold. But I'm not going to let Aunt Betty, who hasn't contacted me in ten years, who's never done anything for me in my life, who talks about me, like a dog with my dad or whoever else say something negative and it hurt my feelings. Those days are done. You don't bring me joy, you don't have the right to take it. Period. Period. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna end with the second thought. I, I almost forgot I said I had two thoughts. My first is the way you were raised sometimes it precedes you in your adult life and then you live your life a certain way and you don't quite understand why and it all stems from your childhood it all stems from your childhood that's not a hundred percent of the time but in my case 90 percent of it is stemming from my childhood okay i talked about friendships you know make sure you're as loyal to your friends as they are to you Growing up in school, I had friends. I had friends. I was not an uh, unpopular person. I wasn't that person who was voted most everything, but I definitely wasn't that person who people tried to bump in the hallways or whispered about or any of that. I pretty much kept to myself for the most part after I got out of elementary school. Um, I kept to myself, that's just the way I was. And I had friends and I visited friends and friends visited me and we hung out and we went to the movies. But I've never in my life met people in my life. So if you know personal things about me, take a bow. I do not share my personal life with anybody. Take a bow, that's just my personality. Uh, but there is absolutely nothing wrong with having somebody to talk to and to bounce things off of if you know they have your best interest at heart. Because some people don't. They just want to know your business. They're going to be negative with their comment. They're going to ruin your relationships if you allow them to. So be careful. Pray about who you should talk to, who you should be sharing your life with. Everybody's not worthy. Believe that. All right, the last thing I want to talk about again, um, and once again, um, I'm going to revert back to a song. Um, I, I listen to a lot of music, you guys. I listen to a lot of music. Like, 
I, I did 10 miles today and it took me forever because my hips started hurting in my knee and I refused to come home. Even though I was close to the home, I walk a two and a half mile block. And I could have come home, it started hurting at five, mile five, but I stopped, I stretched real well on the sidewalk and kept it moving. So one of the songs that came on today is called Yahweh and it's by Jakaya. And the words are, love came rushing in, so fear couldn't have me. I thought about giving up, but walked in what you promised me. In the beginning, you breathed on me to establish purpose in me. And then that's when you spoke to me and told me to walk and believe. I'm ending with this, you guys. Walk in your purpose and believe in yourself. You might have nine people that you care about who are telling you no. No, no, no. You can't. You won't. You won't succeed. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. If you feel passionate about something, you do what you you are driven to do because those people telling you no instead of saying you know what try it i'll support you they're wrong now not unless you're talking about some bad stuff you know you don't want nobody to support your bad stuff but if you're talking about i want to start this business or i want to go back to school i want to mend these relationships. I want to stop this generational curse. I want to be a better me so that the generations after me can be stronger and wiser than you do it. You don't let anybody tell you no because you don't know where those no's are coming from. Matter of fact, why are you asking 10 people what you should do with your life? <laughs> why are you asking seven people what you should do with your life why are you asking five people what you should do with your life if god gave you some references in your life that are good positive loving caring people that have a good word and they don't run on foolishness that's who you talk to if you're not quite sure because every time they're going to tell you i support you do it i support you that's a great idea you know what i never thought about that it's going to be hard but I support you. It's going to be difficult, but I support you. I think you will be great at that. Stop running your business by everybody trying to get some A's. Stop it. Stop it. You don't need anybody's approval. If you're over the age of 18, 21, <laughs> I was going to say 18, but there, there's an 18-year-old living in this house and he's in high school graduating this year. He, need, he needs approval. But if you're over 21, if you got kids, if you lay down and made babies, if you're living on your own, you're working, stop running your life through other people's eyes. You think about it. Talk to your parents if you got decent parents. Talk to your siblings if you have any. Talk to your pastor if he's a decent or she's a decent pastor and not just begging and not doing anything for the communities. Y'all know that irks me. Talk to those kind of references. And if you have a true friend, you're blessed. Talk to that true friend because all those people should show you 
the positive way to go. And I always say, and if you don't have any of that, you can reach out to me. Sonia.McQueen at ledbymotivation.com. You could always reach out to me. I'm here for nothing but love. So, you guys, love yourself first. Whatever you've been through, start making a plan on how you're going to let it go. And then follow through on that plan. I'm going to go back to my race that's coming up in September that I'm doing for St. Jude. I was a size 6 from the age of 32 to the age of 40-ish. And then all of a sudden, I just started bloating. I would eat certain foods and my stomach would bloat. No matter how much I exercised, no matter what I did, I was getting bigger and bigger. I was eating less and less, exercising more and more and getting bigger and bigger. And next thing I knew, I was in an 8, which is a good size still. But my waist was like 35 inches. Don't ask me how you wear an 8 with a 35-inch waist and 44-inch hips. But I was. I was absolutely 44, 35, 44. Still in a size 8. Nobody thought I was fat, but I knew I was fat. For me, for me, to go from 132 pounds, I was weighing 175 pounds, you guys. And the doctor told me, oh, yeah, the steroids you used to be on to control your migraines causes great weight gain. You'll never lose that weight. You'll never lose it. And I was sad because I thought I was a fat girl. I, I thought I was huge. You've got to realize to come from a size zero to a six was hard enough. I'm sorry, it wasn't a zero. That was a big lie. See, I told you I lied. From a size three to a size six was a big change for me. But I was a size six for so many years to go from that 132.5 pounds to now 175 and all these extra inches was heartbreaking for me. And when the doctor told me I could never lose that weight, I believed it, and I was sad. But then I realized I got COVID, and I changed my diet a little bit, and I realized what foods were making my stomach protrude the way they were. And I also realized that anxiety plays in my body different than other people's. When I'm anxious and I'm really, really stressed about something, I feel it in my neck and in my shoulder. And I constantly raise my arms to get that stress out or I do push-ups and my stomach bloats. I learned that on my own. So then I go to another doctor and this doctor tells me, oh, you need surgery. Okay, that's not happening either. So I started eliminating things. Well, there goes another lie, y'all. Mm, mm, mm. I don't eliminate food for my life. What I do is, when I know I'm going to eat something that's going to bloat my stomach, I wear something bigger because it doesn't last forever. It'll last for that moment. It's generally dairy. Not all dairy, but some dairy. I change the milk that I buy now. I buy that A2 now. Perfect. My stomach doesn't get all bloated. I don't get gassy. Great. I only buy Kraft cheese now. Perfect. Perfect. When I make my mac and cheese and all that and I use all my cheeses and it's generally all Kraft. I learn to use um, certain things that replace the other things so that I didn't have to change my diet. And then I changed the way I work out. I've worked out all my life 
And so I have a routine. My body got used to that routine. And so it was nothing. I was doing three miles, four times a week, and five or six miles one day a week. And that's all I was really doing. I wasn't lifting or anything, so I changed that. And I promise you guys, since January 1st, without changing the way I eat, I eat a snack if I want a snack, if I want pizza, I have pizza, if I want spaghetti, it doesn't matter, and I'm a bread freak. I have lost 24 pounds just making small changes that I realize. But if I would have let that doctor convince me that I'm never going to lose that weight and just said, oh, well, I'm never going to lose it and never tried anything different or looked into it myself, I'd still be at 175 plus pounds and I'd be very unhappy with myself. Very unhappy with myself. And that was a doctor. So I go back to saying, the power's in you. You don't give that power to somebody else to tell you how you're going to look how you're gonna live, what you can do, what you can't do, they don't have the right. That power's not theirs unless you give it to them. And if you give it to them, don't complain later because you fully gave it to them. That's just like somebody who asks for your advice and you give it to them raw and they don't like what you say, so they go to somebody else and they give it to them raw and they don't like what they say and they keep going until they hear what they wanna hear. And now they're mad at everybody who told them the truth. But that one person who was on their bandwagon is who they want to rub elbows with. Silliness. Silliness. If you didn't trust the person that you asked first, you shouldn't have asked. So, live your life. Break these curses. Stop telling everybody your business and letting everybody take your joy and be your joy. You be your own joy. You look at yourself every day, and I've said it before, give yourself positive affirmations. You're beautiful. I love you. You're stronger than that. You're wiser than that. Look at you today. You go, girl. Look at you today, boy. You know you fine. You're smart. God loves you. This person loves me. That person loves me. It's going to be a beautiful day. Look at the trees. Look at, look at the grass and the flowers. Look at the sky. This is all beautiful. Positivity, positivity, and the things that rub you wrong, and you know they rub you wrong, start telling yourself, you know what, this has rubbed me wrong all my life, but I can change this. I hate it when people say, oh, that's just me, I'm never gonna change. That's just you, and you never wanna change. You can be 80 years old and make a change for the better. So you guys, in the words of Jakia, that's when you spoke to me and told me to walk and believe. Y'all walk and believe. I love you and I hope you receive this message in nothing but positivity. Take care.